Loving greetings, pranams to all of you. Dear divine friends all over the world, it's, uh, it's so nice to be back with you again after a few days, although I have to say I, I would very much uh, like to just continue on where we left off on Wednesday and just go on in our beautiful meditation. Anyways, I'm so happy to be with you and I hope at this point in our Convocation Week that um, all of you are just floating and just filled with the divine joy that comes when we gather as a spiritual family in the spirit of God and our great Guru and Param Gurus. And here at the Mother Center, we certainly have been feeling it, building, building, building the joy and the spiritual vibrations all week long. You know, I, I, I was very much uh, looking forward to being with you in person this year at the Bonaventure Hotel after uh, what has it been now since 2019. I think some, a lot of you have felt that way too, but you know how nice it would just be again to be in the room together face to face after all these months. But then I remembered something that uh, has been a lesson for me, a very valuable tool all these years, what our Guru said about desires, uh, any kind of desire, no matter what. And the Master said, if you learn to give every desire to God, then He will see to it that your good desires are fulfilled and your bad ones are overcome. So, in, in that spirit of surrender to God's will, here we are at the end of the week. What's well, been a wonderful, wonderful week, Jai Guru. Remember um, when we ended our meditation a couple of days ago, we heard this recording of our revered Sri Dayamata. And I just want to recap what we heard her say because it's so meaningful now at the end of convocation. Ma says, when the devotee comes to that state during and at the close of meditation, his thoughts are expressed in a very simple way, such as, it's simple enough, Lord, I only know that I love you. I only know that I love you. And when one mentally converses with the Divine Beloved and feels that love in his heart, then he knows indeed that he is holding steadfast to the hand of the Divine Beloved. And Madhiji says, that has always been the test by which I have been able to judge my own meditations and their depth. Now, doesn't that same test tell us what the power of this past week of convocation has been? And I've gotten messages and emails and other monastics as well um, have gotten messages and talked to some of you during the week. So I know, I know that many, many of you including the many thousands around the world who would never have been able to attend this event if it had been held in person, are feeling that joy, feeling that, that sense of completeness of just, Lord, thou and I, thou and I, we go on together. We have attendees, I'm told, from more than 125 countries and again, that many thousands and thousands would not have been able to come had we had it in person. So once again, Jai Guru. You know, I was thinking in the, in the past years, we needed a huge 30-story hotel to accommodate the World Convocation, isn't it? And now we can conduct it in a space as small as my hand. Can you show the picture? 
That's the convocation app that's uniting us all together. And the great thing is, the wonderful thing is that after convocation is over, you can take it with you. You can revisit it any time over the coming months. So, you know, at the end of the week, always at convocation, it's been the tradition to have a class on uh, taking convocation home with you or um, holding on to the convocation spirit. But I think this is the first time since we began these online convocations a couple of years ago, it's the first time that you have had the ability to literally take it with you. So I want you all to, to be assured all of the classes, the meditations, the kirtans, all of that's going to continue to be available through the app and through our SRF website. And uh, I want to urge you all to please come back and revisit, replay, re-attend, re-engage with the events and more than that, with the spirit that we have all felt this, this week. Now, um, before we go further, let me just take a moment on behalf of myself and I'm sure on behalf of, of all of you who have been participating to take a moment just to express our profound thanks and gratitude to the many, many um, wonderful volunteers who have been behind the scenes throughout the week and not just during the week, but for many months leading up to this week. Those who have helped our monastics to bring this week-long convocation to all of you. And it's truly, how can I say, it's a, it's a collaboration, but it's more than that. It's, it's a celebration of divine friendship and divine teamwork involving, as I said, months and months of planning in advance, many long hours during the event and before the event. So will you join me? Let's send them our heartfelt appreciation. So now we come to what? The end? I don't want to call it that. And I'm sure the same of you, that all of you feel the same. That So let's, instead of talking about the, uh, the close or the end of convocation, let's talk about where do we go from here? Let's have uh, in our hearts that, that joyous sense of adventure, divine adventure, that our guru so wonderfully exemplified in, in his life and, and uh, showed us how to go through life with that spirit. That spirit of adventure, what comes next? How do we take with us a lasting inspiration to, to use and to practice and to deepen what we've absorbed in these past seven days? So I think you all know that the, the title of the class that um, I'm uh, supposedly going to speak about is called Spiritually Fortifying Our Lives. Spiritually Fortifying Our Lives. And you'll see why I wanted to point out that how wonderful it is that all of the convocation events are going to remain available because when we talk about how to spiritually fortify our lives, I can tell you, I think, in just a few sentences, the skills we need to do just that. And here they are. We need to learn how to transform life's obstacles into stepping stones for spiritual success. We need to learn the power of our everyday thoughts to change our lives. We need bhakti yoga. Bhakti yoga, how to relate to God from the heart. And karma yoga, karma yoga, making unselfishness the theme of daily life. And of course, we need plenty of wisdom, discriminative wisdom, that jnana yoga, how to find healing, how to make the right decisions in life. So we have bhakti yoga, karma yoga, jnana yoga, and of course, Raja Yoga, Mastering the Techniques of Meditation. And then, perhaps more, most important, most dear to our hearts anyways, 
in this topic of spiritually fortifying our lives is what I would call a Yogananda Yoga, how to walk in the Guru's footsteps. And you know, that includes all the other forms of yoga. And more than that, it shows a definite way for each of us who has been drawn to this path, been drawn to that revered Paramahansa Yogananda by our own soul's silent magnetic affinity with him. That bond, that magnetism, that trust and divine friendship. And then last in this list of skills for fortifying our spiritual lives, we need to know how to constantly renew, constantly rekindle our inner spiritual enthusiasm. Now, if I could see your faces, I would think that you're probably chuckling by now because you probably recognize that list, isn't it? Those, of course, were the titles from all the classes that we have just completed over these last seven days. Because that, in a nutshell, what we've been doing this entire week is learning how to spiritually fortify our lives. So honestly, I don't think there's much left for me to do except maybe hand out your diplomas, your uh, certificate of graduation. And let me go back to one of those. You know, one on that list was how to make the right decisions in life. Wasn't that wonderful? I, I hope um, many, many of you saw this panel discussion on that topic that was presented by a few of our SRF and YSS young adults with Brother Sevananda. I'm so happy we had that program. And I think a lot of you feel the same. Um, the day afterwards, I, you know, we received this email from uh, a group of SRF devotees, retirees, uh, who live, uh, they're expatriates who live in, uh, in Guatemala. And uh, here's what this message has to say about it. This, these devotees, this devotee wrote, several of us quote, older folks here in Guatemala decided we would watch the class together just to see how this younger generation of devotees is coming along and if they're any different than we were when we were their age. Well, we were humbled. What an inspiring and uplifting group you brought together. So bright, confident, focused and glued to master. And we all concluded that the future of the world doesn't look so bad after all. <laughs> and then he goes on and says, you know, after the class, a very interesting thing happened in that we all began talking about the same subjects that the young adults had been discussing. And basically, the class continued on for a whole other hour. I think we got as much out of it as any young adult. Isn't that great? No, I, I think uh, probably that's a widespread sentiment. In fact, another message I got just yesterday from devotee in Perth, Australia, talking about that, uh, that young adult gathering. And, and uh, this devotee says, um, the earth is in good hands with these young people. And then she went on to say, and maybe sometime you'll include an older adults panel sometime. She says, I've been on the path for more than 40 years, and it just gets better. It just gets better. So coming to this topic of spiritual fortitude, I thought it was really interesting in the, in the description um, of, the, uh, of the talk where it uh, basically commits me to what I am uh, destined to say in this class. I'm joking, of course. I think it's beautiful what they've written. But it says this. It says that the class will talk about the tremendous spiritual strength that enters our lives and in the world when we attend convocation and when each day with sincerity and receptivity we put into practice the universal techniques and principles of the Kriya Yoga path. 
sincerity and receptivity. Powerful, powerful and life-changing tools for the seeker of God realization. So let's talk about this for, for a bit. What is sincerity? What is receptivity? And I tell you, for me, a perfect criterion for both of them is what our guru said to his very first Kriya Yoga disciple in America, and that was Dr. Lewis, as most of you know, in Boston in 1920. And it was um, on a December evening, just before Christmas, and Paramahansaji was conducting the Kriya Yoga initiation for this first American disciple. And before he accepted him as a disciple, he said these few very simple words. He said to Dr. Lewis, I want you to promise me that you will never avoid me. I want you to promise me that you will never avoid me. You know, many, many years ago when I, when I heard that story, it made such an impression on me. And looking back over the, the years, I, I would say that this is really, I think for myself, this has probably been the single greatest touchstone or the single greatest guarantee, you might say, of the right attitude that would ensure that nothing, nothing would be able to throw me off the path. Promise me, the guru says, that you will never avoid me. That's sincerity. That is receptivity. It's as simple and as difficult as that. And that sincerity, that receptivity, that right attitude toward the guru that we've heard about in not just the one class on uh, Thursday evening, but in various ways throughout the week, that sincerity, that receptivity, that's what brings the, the many blessings. That's what brings the spiritual strength that flow into the lives of those who absorb our, our hearts, our minds, our souls in the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. You know, look at it this way. If we are sincere, we have faith. We have faith in the teachings, faith in their, in their power to transform our lives. And even if we don't right away realize or experience or uh, perceive everything in the teachings, we have this sincere conviction, this resolution to keep applying them no matter what. And as we do that, we find ourselves, little by little, gradually over the years, gaining access to those higher states of consciousness, those qualities and powers and attributes of the soul. Sincerity and receptivity. Now, let's ask ourselves, how do we translate that in practical terms? Do you know what that means? Do you know what the practical translation of that right attitude of the disciple, that right attitude of sincerity and receptivity? You may be surprised to hear it. It means committing to and following a spiritual routine. Committing to and following a spiritual routine. So here's, I would say, an absolutely key point in this subject of how to fortify our lives. Follow a routine. Follow a schedule. And more than that, track that daily routine by using an introspection chart. Now you'll find those of you who are receiving the, the mailings of the supplement lessons, this is thoroughly covered in new lesson number 69. That's going to be mailed in a few weeks. It's about the art of introspection. When you think about it, when we, if we're exposed at all to the uh, various um, teachings, or not teachings so much, but studies and research about self-improvement, the self-help literature, of which there's just an endless variety, we know that 
this one point of following and committing to a spiritual routine, it has many benefits, and not just the obvious ones. In what they call performance science, or that's the psychology of changing oneself, of rewiring our habits, changing even our brain circuitry. In other words, that neuroplasticity that we've heard about. It's well documented that having this commitment to a set routine and a process of tracking progress, a process of tracking our progress or introspection, this measurably and significantly increases the odds of individual success. This has been, this is a scientific fact. So that's all well and good, but I want to focus us on something else because that that um, aid in succeeding in what we're trying to accomplish, that's only part of the real value of committing to a routine, a spiritual routine. And I would say this, that the greater value, especially when we're talking about progressing on the path of soul liberation, the greater value in committing to a, a schedule is a very important, that is, it is a very important and maybe for many of us, perhaps the first act of self-surrender. Committing to a schedule, it's an act of self-surrender, self-resignation, because in doing that, what are we doing? We're saying, I make the determination to abandon personal likes and dislikes, my personal preferences, my habits, my um, accustomed ways of doing things, in favor of making a commitment to what the Guru has outlined for me as the quickest path to freedom, the quickest path to ultimate success. So committing to a routine, committing to a, a process of tracking your progress on that routine, think of it in terms of this is an offering of the disciple, an offering of self-surrender. I want to share some beautiful words that our, our Guru said to his disciples on this subject. Guruji said, when you attune your will with that of a master, you don't lose your will. Your will becomes stronger. He said, I have seen those devotees who are in tune with me change spiritually every day. They are like shooting stars. I have quite a few of them. Do you think I would put up with all the difficulties and troubles of an organization if it did not result in spiritually awakened souls? And then Gurji goes on and says, the highest virtue is to bring God consciousness into the hearts of mankind. He who has God consciousness can pass that awareness on to others if they don't resist him key point, if they don't resist him. And Gurji goes on and says, it isn't necessary that you be with the Guru and talk to him. Just be mentally in tune. Just be mentally in tune. I feel and recognize the vibrations of those who are mentally in tune with me wherever they are. Wherever they are. That means all of you, all around this wide world. And he says, those that come to me with a sincere heart will never be the same again. But you must not waste your time. Use this lifetime for finding God. There is no other purpose in life. We are here for that supreme realization. That's why those who do not meditate are not happy. You should also be active for God. Suppose you were all as interested in this work as I am. Suppose you were all as interested in this work as I am. We could change the world. We could change the world, Gorgi says. One devotee wrote to me 
a few days ago in the middle of the convocation week with this observation. He said, the classes up to the point of my writing have been very deeply moving as well as capturing and communicating so much of the new lessons content. Now, it was that last phrase that meant so much to me. It was, it was very touching, very gratifying, you might say, that the classes of this convocation are communicating so much of the new lessons content. Let me just say a little bit about this. The, this new edition of the lessons that we released into the world a few years ago and is ongoing, including the, the supplement series that are being mailed out now, these these contain many, many truths, many deeper explanations, and even, I would say, revelations that our Guru wanted to impart to followers of this path, but that, which, but that have never appeared before in any other expression of his teachings, certainly not in books for the public. For example, one of the Supplement Lessons goes deeply into the relationship of Jesus Christ and Bhagavan Krishna to the SRF gurus and these teachings. See, the thing is, these, these points, these were all known to Paramahansaji's disciples during his lifetime. But he repeatedly said, he said, when my writings are finally published, that at that time, many of these truths would be available at large for the first time ever. So much of that is in these, uh, this series of supplement lessons mailings. You know, many of you will be receiving in the next week or so, if you're in the, in the first group of uh, enrolling for the supplement lessons, a profound teaching given by Gurudev on this great interconnectedness and the spiritual connection between Jesus and Krishna and the line of our gurus from modern times, Babaji, Lahiri Mahashai, Sri Yukteswarji, and our own master. And when we read this, this is the impact that it has on me, and I, I pray and I am confident that it will be the same for many of you. We read these things, and it's just, again, a way of rekindling that spiritual enthusiasm. It gives us another window of appreciating the magnitude, the significance of this great opportunity we have, the great opportunity we've been given in these Kriya Yoga teachings. That's the enthusiasm that I want you to take away from this week of convocation. I don't need to remind anyone that we live in a very, very crazy world, don't we? And because of that, and because of this treasure of spiritual inspiration, treasure of liberating teachings that our Guru left with us, it's because of that that all of us here in the ashrams, our prime commitment, aside from our own sadhana, our own meditation, our own relationship with God, our commitment is to all of you to do our best to make available and supply the methods, the insights, the encouragement, the inspiration that, we, that you need, that we need to successfully navigate our way through these crazy times in this crazy world. Now, I want to just take a moment to mention I think most of you received a notification, but just in case you didn't see it, there's been a, a, a wonderful upgrade to our SRF YSS app, the um, program for mobile devices and phones, and now on our desk, it's on desktop computers too. Um, lots of new features that will be, um, I think, extremely beneficial in your study and your application of the teachings, and more than that, in this process of organizing your lives around 
the spirit and the inspiration of Paramahansa Yogananda. So we've, um, we've posted a short video. It's, you'll find it on the homepage of the SRF website. It gives like a brief um, overview of, the, of um, the new features in this app. So take a look at it. I think you'll find quite a few things that, that are going to be of great benefit. Now I want to go back to what our guru has given us for keeping our balance, keeping our sanity, our spiritual sanity, you might say, in these crazy times. Now one of the recently mailed uh, new lessons, it's called Becoming an Ideal World Citizen. It's Lesson 63. Probably a lot of you received that a few weeks ago. And I'm pointing out this lesson because it illustrates how vitally important it is that all of us who are deeply meditating, that are all of us who are making a commitment in our own way to living the spiritual life, how important the spiritual vibration that such God-seeking souls contribute to the world. We should never underestimate that. You know, it's so easy when we, when we get caught up in the 24-7 news cycle of gloom and doom. It's so easy to become either depressed or else downright angry, isn't it? Don't succumb to that. Don't succumb to that. Yes, it's important to keep abreast of what's going on in the world, but more than that, our first focus should be on our relationship with God, our sadhana, our spiritual life. You know, we tend to think, well, I'm just one person. I'm so little. What can I do? No. No. Little things are important. You know, think about this. When you, when you look at your habits of diet, for instance, a person's little small daily habits of what a person eats or doesn't eat, those small habits of right diet over many years build up health and vitality. And contrary wise, um, lapses in that kind of right diet, they may not show up for many, many years, but sooner or later, health will suffer. And the exact same thing goes on in the world at large, in human civilization. Its harmony and its health depend on right moral behavior of little, you might say, but not so little, individuals. Right moral behavior and connection with that divine power that sustains us all. So just like with, in terms of food and health, you know, the effects of not being regular with, um, with right diet. It may take years or even decades for it to show up. Same thing has happened in the world with moral and spiritual principles. It may take years or even decades to be, for the consequences to become visible. And I'm bringing this up because I have to tell you, we are now witnessing the effects on the human family of the erosion of spirituality among the masses that started when the traditional religions began to lose their hold on the masses, particularly becoming visible, I would say, maybe 40 or 50 years ago and getting more and more pronounced each year up to the present. Now, Guruji predicted this. He said this would happen. And he also said that the SRF, YSS teachings were sent at just this time. Why? Because as the masses, as the world family, the world population begins to lose contact or lose interest in the old forms of dogmatic or ceremonial or uh, ritualistic religion, the outer forms of religion, then what's needed is a new scientific science of spirituality for our modern times. 
Now the problem is, as I've told you on, on other times, on other occasions, we're in that, right now we're in that dangerous mid middle phase. And we're seeing the, the giving up of the old religious dog dogmas, but it hasn't fully been or adequately compensated by the taking up of the new spirituality. So we have a vital role to play. Now, as an organization, you all know, we don't take political stand. At the same time, and I want to, sometimes devotees um, have a little confusion about this, so I want to make this clear. We do not take political stands as an organization, but our guru very much expected that those who follow this path and change their consciousness, those who attune their lives with that divine consciousness, that divine power, that they're going to use that spiritual consciousness to serve. Use that spiritual consciousness to serve, to make improvements in the world around us. The world needs you. The world needs you. So find a way to communicate those divine ideals in whatever way feels appropriate in your environment and the world around you. Now, I want to share with you some, a somewhat long passage. I'm just going to read this. It's very powerful, but it's somewhat long. So just, just close your eyes and listen to this. It's a, it's a very comprehensive portrait, you might say, or really an affirmation of what each of us as uh, SRF and YSS devotees have in today's world. It's from that lesson I mentioned a few minutes ago, Lesson 63, about becoming an ideal world citizen. So just close your eyes and you, you can read this at your leisure um, when you get the lesson, but for now just let the spirit of it flow into your receptive consciousness. Guruji says this, Ideal spiritual citizens consider it their positive duty to contribute to world harmony, well-being, peace, and prosperity by governing their lives according to the Ten Commandments and the Yama-Niyama principles of yoga's Eightfold Path. They are ever cognizant <clears throat> of the inexorable operation of divine law as follows. <clears throat> My individual karma, if inharmonious, would be contributory to confusion and disorder in the world. If I am wicked or flout laws of healthy living, if I breathe hard and restlessly, if I'm nervous or jealous or cruel or harsh in word and deed and thought, then my hatred, jealousy, and wickedness or nervousness will create tumultuous waves and vibrations in the ether, which, when combined with those of others, disturb the radio receivers of hearts all over the world and thereby help to upset nature's laws and attract calamities to myself, my family, my nation, my world. Now, I'm not trying to paint a discouraging picture because if, if that's all there were involved, that would be a little bit depressing. But then Gurji goes on and talks to each of us, his disciples. He wants us to affirm this. He says, conversely, my healthy living habits, my calm pulse and breathing, induced by control of prana as learned in the Hongsa technique and Kriya Yoga, my vitality, sanctified and kept pure and fresh, by cosmic energy, my cool vibration of equilibrated nerves, my courage, joy, smiles, good thoughts, goodwill, enjoyment of wholesome sensations, my heart glowing with life-giving emotions of love and sympathy and compassion, my every creative vibration of spiritualized will, every vibration of right reason, 
These create endless, life-giving, surging energies and vibrations in the omnipresent ether, which secretly touch the receptive heart radios of near and distant men and women. My spiritual actions in karma thus help to fill hearts with harmony and can, even in some small way, affect and harmonize the collective karma of the world. Helping to tame down the freak disasters of unruly nature, banish the causes of famine, make the world eschew war, ostracize accidents, and activate and vitalize the cosmic laws for universal, all-round peace and harmony that work through nature and other agencies. Wow. Nobody said it like our guru said it. And it's not just words, because behind those words is the methodology. Behind those words are the tools, the techniques. And that's why, having given us those tools and techniques, that's why he could point out that ideal role that deeply meditating Kriya yogis are meant to play in this world. So as I said, here in the ashram and those who serve this work are not just monastics, but wonderful companions of uh, volunteers and lay members who help to serve the work. We're trying in every way, every way we can, to support all of you in navigating, in finding a way, finding a way to keep balance, finding a way to keep a sense of direction, a sense of attunement, a sense of being sustained by that divine vibration so that we can make our way through these chaotic and unsettling times. And I especially want to mention this today at the closing of our annual, you might say, spiritual family gathering. I want to reiterate our commitment to share with the whole world and all of you the program that our guru has given to each individual through SRF and YSS for dealing with these troubled times. It's all there. It's all in those techniques, in those various resources that, that you find in the, the lessons and the other programs on our website, in our temples, in our centers and groups, all for each of you. So that's the, the ideal role that deeply meditating Kriya yogis are meant to play in this world. Now, I want to say, just in closing, some words about the Kriya Yoga. You know, when we canceled the, the in-person convocation, as I said, we were able to keep pretty much all the events, um, conduct them online, convert them to this online program, but one major exception to that was what we usually have on, on Friday of Convocation Week, and that's the Kriya Yoga Initiation Ceremonies. Usually that's the main event of, of Friday of Convocation. So since we didn't have the opportunity to do that yesterday, then uh, maybe we can make up for it a little bit anyways by exploring together some of the inspirational power of Kriya Yoga. Kriya Yoga, which is the very core, the very foundation, not only of this teaching, but of our very lives as devotees of this path. So again, let me share a few words of our Guru that highlight the significance of what this means when we come to the knowledge and the practice of Kriya Yoga in our lives. Guruji says this, In your search for God in previous incarnations, you may have passed through states of worshiping idols or other material symbols, 
In other words, a religion based on ceremony and outer ritual. But now you have come to that point in your spiritual evolution where you realize that the highest truth is to be found within yourself. At last, perhaps after eons, you have been led to a spiritual path and a sacred yoga technique through which you can find God within yourself in the centers of life force and consciousness in the spine and brain. Jesus said, Behold, the kingdom of God is within you. The great initiation of Kriya Yoga is given to you that you may awaken the spiritual consciousness in the brain and spine and realize therein the divine altar of God perception. He says, Kriya Yoga is the true fire ceremony extolled in the Bhagavad Gita and in the Vedic literature. And as you practice Kriya deeply with devotion, the seeds of your past karma, your past bad karma, are burned up by the fiery current of life energy in the spine and brain and by the blessings of the masters and God. So here we are after, as Gurdjie said, lifetimes of fruitlessly perhaps searching, asking the hard questions of life, asking the hard questions of ourselves, how to find a way to make sense of it all, how to find a way to have a little bit of peace, a little bit of security, a little bit of sense of meaning and purpose in life. And after that, incarnations of seeking and searching. Kriya Yoga is the answer. Kriya Yoga, the, the inner methodology, the inner science of realizing God. So here we are at the, at the end of this week of convocation, and I thought it would be wonderful together to practice a guided meditation on this inner fire ceremony, this Kriya Yoga process and inner form of communicating, communing with God. One time during a meditation that our guru conducted right here in this building, he gave a, a guided meditation, a, a visualization for the devotees to practice. So I want us, let's take some time to practice this together. So close your eyes. We'll, we'll visualize this together. In Gurdjie's words, he said, visualize a great fire of wisdom. In India, this is called yagya the sacrificial fire, around which all the masters are standing. And now feel that you have cast into that fire of wisdom all your past karma. Feel that you have cast into that fire of wisdom all your past karma. And then as he was leading the devotees in this visualization, Guruji's, Guruji had this vision and he said out loud, there's Divine Mother, there's Divine Mother standing right there before the flaming light. And all the masters are standing there. Oh Kali, oh Kali, oh such bliss, oh such joy. Babaji, Lahiri Mahashai, Swami Sri Yukteswarji, Guru Preceptor, Mother Kali, Mother Kali, Divine Mother, Divine Mother. Before us is the fire of wisdom. And in that fire of wisdom, we offer all our past karma, all the karma of all nations. Let that bad karma be consumed forever. Om Swaha. Om Swaha, Om Swaha.
Now Gorgi said, concentrate at the point between the eyebrows and then mentally go up and down the spine. If you know the Kriya technique, practice that a few times. If you haven't had that initiation in Kriya, then go up and down the spine and just chant Om at each of the spinal centers. Starting from the bottom, up the spine, Feeling that life energy and current. Up and down, up and down. Now let's go even deeper into that visualization, gazing into the spiritual eye, into the Christ Consciousness Center, Kutasta Chaitanya, at the point between the eyebrows. Perceive or visualize if you don't perceive, visualize that great flaming light, that golden aureole of golden flaming light surrounding the sapphire blue, opalescent blue and that shining white star. See that flame in the spiritual eye. See that flame in the Christ Consciousness Center. And then go on with this visualization with these thoughts. Repeat to yourself as I read this. Kriya Yoga is the true inner fire ceremony. My Guru's grace and blessing have kindled a sacred fire in my Kutasta, the Christ Consciousness Center. My Guru's grace and blessing have kindled a sacred fire in my Kutasta, the Christ Consciousness Center. That holy fire is consecrated to God alone. Into that sacred fire in the brain, in the Kutasta, the Christ Consciousness Center, I cast all my human longings as an offering to God alone. Into that sacred fire in the brain, I cast all my human longings as an offering to God alone. God alone, God alone. 
all my past and present desires, all my past and present desires, all are fuel to be consumed forever in the flames of love divine. All my past desires, all my present desires are fuel to be consumed in the flames of love divine. I cast all my past karma, all my mistakes, all my impurities and perhaps tamasic desires, all my regrets, all my limitations into the sacred fire. I cast them all into the sacred fire. Beloved God, O ultimate flame, receive this sacrifice of all my human madness and make me pure of all human dross. O ultimate flame, receive the sacrifice of all my human madness and make me pure of all human dross. I am pure. I am free. I am pure. I am free. I am pure. I am free. Beloved Lord, change my darkness to thy light. Change my darkness to thy light. Touch me but once and I will change. Touch me but once and I will change. I am thine, be thou mine. I am thine, be thou mine. I am thine, be thou mine. When we practice Kriya Yoga with devotion and then sit a long time in the stillness afterwards as taught in the lessons, as taught in the initiation, we are automatically performing that sacred fire ceremony. Now keep in mind please, I'm, I'm not suggesting that you visualize any of this during the actual technique. When you practice the technique, just practice the technique, full concentration. But then later, in that after period of stillness, during that time of prayer and devotion and communion with God, this can be a very, very powerful technique, an inner technique, an inner ritual, an inner ceremony to visualize yourself Casting all your baggage, the unwanted psychological, emotional baggage and debris into that purifying light in the brain, in the spiritual eye, as we've just practiced. After Kriya, and then gazing into that holy, flaming light of the spiritual eye. Into that holy fire, I cast all my human longings. All my past and present desires are fuel to be consumed in love divine. O ultimate flame, Receive the sacrifice of all my human imperfections, all my past karma. Burn it up in thy divine light. I am pure. I am free. I am pure. I am free. I am pure. I am free.
you know, how unutterably grateful the disciple, each of us is, for that liberating touch of the guru that kindles that sacred fire within us when he bestows that sacred diksha, that sacred initiation on us. That's the grace, that's the mercy, the guru kripa, freely given by God through the guru to the disciple. But it's a very important thing to remember that's only part of the formula. Once that fire is kindled by the, by the grace, by the mercy of the guru, once that fire is kindled, it is the disciple who has to cast the fuel of desires and ego and past karma into that fire by an act of will by an act of self-surrender. That's why the formula for liberation, as Gurdji told us, it includes those three parts, three parts of the equation. The effort, the sincere effort of the disciple, the help and blessings of the guru, and the grace of God. Isn't it beautiful how all of those come together in this deeply meaningful, in this powerfully and profoundly liberating practice that we are blessed to make part of our daily lives, morning and evening, maybe even during the day, during a brief period, where we take a few moments and kindle that fire and rejoice in that gift, in that power, in that light, in that flame that has been bestowed upon us by our divine Guru Dev. So remember, effort of the disciple, help and blessings of the Guru, and the grace of God. Those blessings that grace are with each one of you who takes up this path with sincerity, with receptivity. Never doubt it. Never doubt it. And never forget what a tremendous contribution is made by deeply meditating Kriya yogis. As Guruji said, change yourself and you will change thousands. But remember, he said, only the life current can change your life. Change yourself and you will change thousands. And remember, only the life current generated by that devotional, concentrated, persistent, faithful practice of Kriya Yoga. That's what changes our life. So my dear divine friends, more than divine friends, my brothers and sisters on this path, keep on with that deep devotional practice of Kriya, study of the lessons, ever deeper receptivity and sincerity, and then beyond doubt, you will receive unceasing blessings of God and Guru. Now, I want to pray, then I'm going to ask you to join. But first, I have a prayer on your behalf. Heavenly Father, Mother, Friend, Beloved God, Jesus Christ, Bhagavan Krishna, Mahavatar Babaji, Lahiri Mahashai, Swami Sri Yukteswarji, our revered Gurudev Paramansa Yoganandaji. Bless all these dear souls who are following the sacred Kriya Yoga path, the sacred Kriya Yoga highway to the infinite. Make them shooting stars on the shortest path to divine liberation, to divine realization. 
by your grace and power and unceasing blessings. Now, will you all please join with me as we anchor our consciousness in that divine vibration, in that divine love, in that divine light, in that divine power to carry with us in the days and the months and the years ahead. Heavenly Father, Mother, Friend, Beloved God, Jesus Christ, Bhagavan Krishna, Mahavatar Babaji, Lahiri Mahashai, Swami Sri Yukteswar, our Guru Paramansa Yoganandaji, saints of all religions, we bow to you all. O Divine Mother, O Divine Mother, O Divine Mother, may thy love shine forever on the sanctuary of our devotion. And may we be able to awaken that love in all hearts. Om, 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 Shanti, peace, peace, peace unto all souls, peace unto our world family, peace unto the earth, peace unto all beings. Amen. God and Gurus, bless you all until we meet again. Jai Guru.